Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff, episode number 67. And we are going to talk tonight about a next play mentality with the doctor, the PhD, the Wizard of Oz, if you will, Mr. Tony D. Viss. Mr. Viss, how are you doing this fine Sunday evening? I'm doing well. I just got back probably a half hour or so ago, maybe a little bit more than that, from celebrating our oldest daughter's youngest son's second birthday. So uh, it, was, it was a good day. Got to see all the all the grandkids and really enjoyed my time there. And now I'm back here in the big CR ready to talk little next play mentality with you. How are things in Omaha? I know you were a celebrity sighting at the Nebraska uh, Creighton game today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marty Plum, Jason Sudeikis, and Sue Bird all in the same weekend. Wow. It's what a heck of a tour. What a, what a treat for the fans. Uh, at least two out of three there. Uh, the, let me be clear. That's Sue Bird and Jason Sudeikis there. Did you, did you ever watch Ted Lasso, Tony? I did not. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I've never seen Ted Lasso. Seen a few clips on YouTube and stuff, but never have watched an episode. It is, it is so good. I mean, there's a lot of language in it and stuff, but uh, it is, it is so good, and it is funny. It's, it's, it. You know, it'll make a grown man cry at times. You know, it's 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 really really good stuff. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we were down in Lincoln this afternoon. Uh, by the time folks hear this on Friday, hopefully this is a distant memory. If you're a Husker fan, if you're a Blue Jay fan, uh, you get to puff your chest and and own the state as a blue state for the next 364 days, uh, because Baylor Shireman could not miss in the first half here today, and Nebraska could not make a shot the entire day, and some of that was poor shooting. Some of that was a really, really good game plan by Coach McDermott and his staff, and it was it was a monkey stomping. They just kicked the snot out of Nebraska here today. Uh, Creighton played really, really well, really complete game. I don't think Nebraska's that bad. Uh, I think Creighton's really good, uh, but uh, I, I think the the Huskers will will bounce back. I think it's kind of one of those deals. Hopefully, you know. Uh, they got beat so badly that, okay, let's just turn the page and let's move on. You know, one of those instead of losing in a heartbreaker and it might linger into the next one here. Um, you know, and sometimes you need an early season wake-up call, don't you, Tony? Yeah, you do. Uh, we got ours yesterday. <laughs> we couldn't throw it in the ocean either, so it sounds like uh, Fred and I could commiserate on that. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, you know what both you and Fred need to do? You need to move on to the next play outstanding there how's that i mike greenberg eat your heart out so uh before we do that i do have one number 67 for you tony basketball player 67 basketball yes Um, let's go george mikan no he was 99 um yeah uh Played I'll have to remember that in 32 more episodes. <laughs> right, right, write it down. <laughs> put it on a note card and put it in your classroom. I will do that. Okay. Notes for Pen and Napkin episode 99, George Mike. Oh, that'll be about what next, you know, hopefully if we uh, if we can make it that long next next July or so, so. Yeah, hopefully the FCC leaves us alone. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, folks, for you losing that forty-five seconds of your life. So, um, 
Uh, no, power forward, uh, probably most known for his days as a Chicago Bull, I think. Let's go with go ahead. Dennis Rodman. Not Rodman. Huh. Um, played at USC in college. Ooh, USC, Chicago I mean, Bull. Nice role player in the NBA. Brian Williams. Nope. And three strikes and you're out. Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson? Yeah. You could have given me 300 strikes on that one. Yeah. <laughs> you write those down on your note card, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Note so, to self, Taj Gibson. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Uh, it's time to move on from the next play on the, the, the number question for this week here as well. So, uh, you know, Tony, we... Uh, we're in the middle of our seasons, or we're starting our seasons, I should say. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking at, we're now we're getting into to, to gameplay. You and I started playing games this last week. And you now need to apply what you preach in practice. And uh, for us as coaches, uh, uh, you know, you have to teach your kids how to move on, not only from their mistakes, but also their, their great plays. And, and a real phrase that a lot of coaches use is next play, move on to the next play. Um, and the first time I heard of that, Tony, I don't know about you, the first time I heard about that was with uh, Coach K. And I, and I forget the exact form where I heard that, but uh, where do you recall you seeing that or hearing that the first time? Um, K was probably the first one that I remember the phrase next play. Uh, Dean Smith, probably a little bit earlier. I mean, the same thing when you make a mistake, learn from it and flush it. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of where I would say that mentality first came from was him. And then, like I said, it was coach K that with the whole next play, uh, phrase that, that I caught on there. Yeah. Uh, my, the first coach I ever really officially worked for was, uh, coach Ray Nackey at Briarcliff. Uh, you know, guys, uh, if, you, if you know Coach Naki, you know that voice. Um, and, uh, you know, he had a version of of uh, next play. He would just say one mistake, two mistake. You know, guys, one mistake, two mistake. You know, and, and his meaning was don't let one mistake lead to two mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you do that, I got to take you out of the game, fellas. You know, uh, and and it's kind of the same thing, a little bit longer of a of a saying, but but that's what he was talking about there. And I I think a lot of coaches preach the concept, Tony. Uh, why is it so important? You know, I think it was Lombardi who said preoccupation with the past leads to failure in the present. Oh, and I really think that's a great one. Uh, you know, if you continue to hold on to it, three, four, five possessions later, a quarter later, whatever the case may be it's pulled you down and you know i go back to what you go back to what you were saying there you know if you make one mistake two mistake after two i've got to get you and if you keep lingering and holding on to it you can read a lot of times like body language head goes down shoulders slump um after they throw the ball away or they don't run the play correctly or or whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. and you just have to be able to move on because you know i tell them you know there's no time machine we can't go back in the past change it Mm -hmm you can affect the next play. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you watched the Iowa football game last night where the guy yeah. missed the tackle on the punt and then got up, uh, was probably 10 or more yards behind and ended up chasing the guy down and pushing him out of bounds at the five-yard line. If he mm-hmm. had laid on the turf, you know, not that it, it kind of delayed the inevitable, but I mean, yeah. at the same time, what a great effort on his part. 
Well, he gave the Iowa defense, which, you know, is one of the best in the country, he gave the Iowa defense the opportunity to make a play. Now, like you said, it delayed the inevitable, and more often than not in that particular situation, it will. Uh, I think I did the math real quick, Tony. I, I think he was like 12 or 13 yards behind the play. And and that kid, number four, I, I don't remember his name. but uh, I think it's Keon Ettringer or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he will be a, you know, forever be a, a Twitter legend at this point. Um, but you know, you never know what could happen. He forced Michigan to make one more play and, and that's what you try to do. And you move on to the next play. And, um, you, you were talking about coach Lombardi and kind of along those same lines, Bobby Knight, uh, he always used to say negative is to positive as four is to one. And we, you know, just the way most of our human minds are, wired we dwell on the negative four times as long or we think of negative experiences four times as much as our positive experiences and and so it is important to teach your your team where you are playing a game of mistakes and mistakes are going to happen in our game that you have to move on from them quickly because, like you said, I love the Lombardi quote there the, that, that you threw out there with the preoccupation with the past leads to failure in the present. You, you have to talk to your team, and you have to work your way through that. And it, it's not something that players are born with. It's part, of your, it, it's part of your teaching repertoire. You have to implement this into your program. Yeah, and it's something that, you know, as a coach, it can be hard, too, because basketball is a game of mistakes, and, you know, we're, we're – consistently trying to correct the mistakes and you have to be careful not to continue to hash and rehash and hold on to it you have to help that player move on to the next play so that they can get that that thought that idea that taste out of their mouth and move on to the next possession and try to win it because you know sports really are a battle of whichever team usually makes the fewer mistakes ends up winning the game. And if you continue to hold on to the ones that you do make, you really handicap yourself going out and having future success. Well, and I think also, Tony, uh, you are right. You know, another Bobby Knight quote, uh, victory favors the team that makes the fewest mistakes. Um, I've used that before. But at the same time, if you're so worried about making mistakes and you play it so conservatively that, yeah, you're not making any mistakes, but you know what? You're not making anything happen either. So you you also have to find that, again, as part of the art of coaching, you have to find that fine line of, you know, hey, we want you to go out there. And, yeah, you've got to be accountable. Uh, you've got to take care of the basketball. You've got to do this. you got to box out, whatever, take good shots. But you also have to give players freedom to make plays and make mistakes because you have to live with those mistakes in order to get the good stuff on the other side of it. And that is part of the next play mentality as well, don't you think? Definitely. I mean, if, if you got the opportunity to hop into and take batting practice against a major league baseball pitcher, or, you know, your favorite pitcher of all time or whatever, and they're going to throw some pitches in there. I mean, you're not going to go in there and try to lay down a bunt. 
you know, you're going to go in there and you're going to take your cut. You're going to try to hit the ball out of the park, if you will. And I think that's one of the things with sports is, you know, if you're going to be wildly successful, you have to take wild risk and you have to go out there and, and play with a band and, um, you know, and, and different things. And don't get me wrong, you know, time and score are going to dictate a few of those things. But you want them to get in there and to, you know, get after it and, and just enjoy themselves by, by, you know, pursuing greatness. And you don't pursue greatness if you don't ever get off your front porch. Yeah. And, you know, you, you have to... You have to give your players that freedom. You know, one of the uh, one of the best ways that I saw this play out was uh, the one year I coached boys up at Sioux City Healing, and uh, we had a kid named Nate Funk. I was I was JV coach, and and Tom Betts was the head coach, and and Nate was uber talented. He went down to Creighton, scored fifteen, sixteen hundred points. Really, really great player for the for the Blue Jays, and just just great player and. Uh, but you, you had to let him make him, uh, some mistakes. Now, now Nate had such a, a great feel for the game. He didn't make a lot of mistakes, uh, but but there was a, a a trust that was developed there uh, that yeah he's 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 gonna make try to make some plays and and some things are not going to happen, but he is also going to make a lot more plays and lead the team to success by allowing those things to happen. And if you put the if you put the uh, clamps on that creativity and play it too conservative, too close to the vest, then you're not taking advantage of some of your biggest weapons. And, and obviously, that's easier to do when you have better players as well. And, and you know, when you have better players, and if you want to attract better players to your program, Tony, uh, don't you think you have to develop that next play mentality and show them hey, that, hey, yeah, uh, we have discipline, we have structure, but I'm also going to let you cook a little bit as well. Yeah, I mean... You have to give great players a little bit more rope. Um, you know, it's one of those things where they're going to earn it because of how good they are. But you have to give them a little bit more rope because a lot of times with 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 great players, they have like this creativity and the, you know to their game. And so it's one of those things where you want to make sure that you're not stifling them. You're allowing them to to uh, delve into that inner creativity and to play at a level. Um, that very few can. And, you know, you want to make sure that you're encouraging that because, you know, like you mentioned, Marty, a lot of teams, you know, the, the guys are so, so orchestrated with what they do, A to B to C, and it's mm-hmm. very pattern oriented and different things like that. But you want to make sure that you, you know, teach your players and allow them to have the creativity that it takes to be great. I mean, I don't think, you know, when you take a look at LeBron, LeBron's earned a lot of rope. Um, He has a great basketball mind. And if a coach had tried to tell him and stifle him, you could have, you know, you know, limited one of the great basketball minds to ever play this game. Mm -hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, 
no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. So how do you, Mr. Tony Davis, how do you integrate a next play mentality into your players, into your program? I think a lot of times it's something that you talk about in front of everybody, but also you find those people who struggle with it and you, you go over things with them. Like one of the things that we talk a little bit about with our guys is positive self-talk. Mm. Um, you know, you make a mistake. Don't tell yourself you're the worst player in the world, how dumb you are or what a stupid mistake or whatever, you know, use the phrase yet, you know, from time to time, you know, I can't do that yet. You know, I shouldn't have done that yet, you know, in terms of, you know, just helping them. And so there's some one-on-one meetings. It's, it's talking in front of everybody, you know, in terms of helping to do that. But I think it's also one of those things where as a coach, you can't harp on every little mistake because you can say next play, but if you're harping on all the mistakes all the time and they don't have the, the room to make it, what you're saying and what you're doing are very contradictory. Yeah. I, I really feel like it is just a daily, minute-by-minute process of uh, integrating it into your program. I, I think it's just something that you consciously say over and over again. Um, you know, it's I, I, I just, I, I think there's no other really way to put it. Uh, I if I had a nickel for every time I said next play Tony, um, I'd I'd be able to retire right now. So uh, which I'd be okay with, by the way. Uh, so, uh, but but we talk about it. Uh, we 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 spend so much time integrating it with our players, um, and you know one of the things that we say as an example is, hey, good play, next play, bad play, next play. Everything is constantly moving forward on the next play. And we, we went through that a lot on Friday night. You know, we, uh, we beat a team that uh, the program has not beaten for a long, long time on Friday night. Um, and, you know, getting that kind of first, hopefully, big win to really turn some things into a positive uh, you know, that proverbial get over the hump type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, it was just next play, next play, next play. And and everybody was saying it, next play, move on to the next play. Um, we had pre-talked about it starting, we played Friday. So probably by Tuesday, we were already talking because we played Friday and then we played Saturday afternoon. And and we already started planning the, the next play seed for Saturday by, you know, we had talked, Hey, whatever happens on Friday night and we hope that it's good. We expect, and not necessarily hope we expect that it's good, but, but if it is good, you know what? Enjoy it till your head hits the pillow. And then we, we have a good team coming into our gym on Saturday. And if it doesn't go our way, let it bother you till your head hits the pillow. And then we've got a good team coming in our gym on Saturday. And regardless of what happens, we've got to have a big next play attitude going into uh, the next day, and and I so so I think that that is it is just a constant barrage of positive reinforcement. 
Um, and, and it really, like we had a situation where um, one of our kids got fouled on a really hard foul, hit her head on the floor a little bit. She was fine, but stunned her for a few seconds. And, and my sophomore point guard went and really showed a tremendous amount of leadership, got up in her, gave her a bunch of positive next talk, uh, uh, self-talk, and and she went up and hit two really big free throws late in the game. I think it gave us the lead uh, either by one or two points. She hit both of them. But it was it was just a, a real next play attitude that I was I was just so impressed with. And it's the first thing that we talked about on Saturday morning was that leadership, that next play attitude that was shown by our point guard to get one of our players locked in on those two really important free throws after she had taken a you know a pretty good shot there so um it, it's it's just that constant barrage of of daily minute by minute reminders the kid misses a shot in a shooting drill next play hey great shot next shot next shot they're not all going in but the next one is and and the more you get your kids to think about that the more you know they're never all they're never going to completely forget their mistakes but it will help move them past those mistakes faster. The one thing I like that you brought up there, Marty, is it's not always negative. The next play isn't always moving on from a negative one. Yeah. The next play is also moving on from a good one. Because how many times have you seen a team make a fantastic play and then they almost break their arm uh, patting themselves on the back and another mm-hmm. team gets the ball to the net, makes a couple quick passes down the court and they score a layup. Yeah. You know, and so it is moving on from the good ones too. It's not always moving on from the negative ones. And the one thing that I like that you were also talking about, we talk about this with our kids too, is if you're a fifty percent shooter from two and you miss one, right? What should your thought be as you go to shoot the next one? I'm a 50% shooter. I just missed one. I'm probably going to make this one. You know, and that's where the glass is half full, and it's more about optimism than it is pessimism. And, again, getting wrapped up in something that did or didn't go your way, and now you've got to be able to move on from both of those items. Yeah. You know, we we came in the locker room, and we were – the kids were really excited. I was – everybody was excited. You know, like I said, it was a really big win for our program. Uh, and I got all the respect in the in the world for Coach Pribnow and 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 his team. He does a great job. And uh, but you know, as we were talking about the game, one of my final thoughts was, "Hey, you're going to walk out of this locker room, and you're going to have a whole bunch of people patting you on the back." And and well, they should. You played a gritty, tough game against a program that is used to winning a lot of games. But don't forget that a pat on the back is two or three feet away from a kick in the butt. And and so stay humble, stay steady. Again, the, the phrase we, we use when we have success, enjoy it till your head hits the pillow, and then we got to get back to work again tomorrow. And it's that fine line. And I think, Tony, one of the things that I, I hope I've done a better job of in this go-around, um, I don't think I enjoyed nights like that as much as I should have. In, in the in the first long term go around as a head coach, um, I was almost too far into the next play that I never took the time to, you know, it's okay to smell the flowers for a few hours. Um, now you can't have it for a few days, you know, that does you no good or or too long. 
but but you also with that next play there's a fine line especially after a big win or a really great season after you have some perspective it's okay to take some time and just say man that was special that was awesome that was a great win that was a great practice that was that was a great season and so you don't want to turn the page on those great things too quickly because because then you you forget the joy that you're supposed to have while you're doing this job and as i you know one of the things i told my players after saturday's game was Hey, don't forget, winning is hard. Don't ever let it become routine. Winning is really hard to do, and winning at a high level is really, really hard to do. So when we win, we're going to enjoy it. And and so we, we, we want to have that next play mentality, but we don't want to go to the extreme with the next play. Yes, because you have to take some time to, to enjoy the mountaintop moments, you know, a lot of times people forget that and then when they get to the top of the mountain so to speak what they realize is it's really cold up there and they didn't take the time to enjoy those moments and those memories as they created them and so it is very very important to take and enjoy the highs and you know it's one of those things where you know like you talked about too many times as coaches we don't enjoy the highs at the level we should and the lows we kind of linger there too long mm-hmm. oh yeah um yeah, I mean, what what are some ways? And that kind of brings me. I got two more bullet points left, Tony. Um, how do you how do you personally have to demonstrate a next play mentality as a coach as well? Because I think we we talk about it, we preach it, but some sometimes we don't apply our own preachings to our own behaviors. And, and, There's a couple and so, of things. Yeah, go ahead. That, that come that come to my mind on that one. Number one, you know we have to practice what we preach, you know, in terms of if something bad happens, Hey, you know, like if they throw the ball away, um, trying to pass up ahead to a teammate, you know, Hey, great idea. Just a little bit better execution there. Next play. Let's go. Let's play some D now, Yeah, you know, and, and you have to do that. And then as a coach, one of those things you can't come back, you know, like for example, if you lost a, a key game, you know, a week or two earlier, you can't go back two weeks you know, past that point, hey, we're doing the same crap that happened two weeks ago when we got beat by, you know, whoever. Yeah. You know, you've got to move on. And you, 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 know, and you have to model that. And your team, if, if it's important to you, it will become important to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the greatest mistakes that we make as coaches is the, the players move on from things much faster than we do. Yes. Um, and and we hold on to losses, playing poorly, um, you know, bad practices, whatever it may be. Um, and and I think that that's really that that's the, that's the thing that kills us as coaches. Now you you have to have some accountability. You have to be able to say you have to come in sometimes grumpy the game after or the day after a game and say that wasn't good enough and and you've got to do that thing that coaches have to do but then you got to let it go you got to let it go you got to move on from it and and I know one of the things that I did not do well as a younger coach is you know moving on from those things um again early in our season last week uh we played in our jamboree and we played a really really good team uh for a half and for the first eight minutes they absolutely thumped us, Tony. I mean, just 
just thumped us, and it was ugly. They they couldn't hit or they couldn't miss, and we struggled taking care of the ball. They were really physical against us, uh, you know, so forth and so on. And but then we responded. We played really well the next eight minutes, and we actually outscored them in the next eight minutes after they thumped us the first eight minutes. And they were still coming at us aggressively, and they were still doing those things. All right, so. Uh, one of the things that I, I told our kids on Tuesday after we looked back on it, this was really good for us. This this situation, yeah, it wasn't fun to go through those eight minutes, but we needed that. That was good for us. And I really think, you know, I would have probably earlier in my career, I would have been hung up on that stuff. I would have been hung up on that eight minutes for days because it, it, was, it was bad. We got our butt kicked. But I, I, I've changed my mentality and I've had to work at it to change my mentality to say, hey, you know what, this is good for us and this is how we're going to use it. And this is a great example of of how it's going to be positive for us. And I think that helped the kids from hanging their heads as much as maybe they would have. And and I really think it helped us in the closing minutes of that really close game against uh, the, our, the team that we played on Friday night uh, because we had gone through that kind of physical battle and, and we'd been tested and pushed around a little bit and, and we kind of came through the other side. So I think uh, that is, that's, that's been good, I guess, uh, if, if that's making any sense. I hope that makes sense, Tony. It makes a lot of sense. You know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, in our game and in athletics in general, they talk about winning and losing and I'm more about winning and learning. Uh-huh. And hopefully, you know, we, we take those lessons when things don't go our way or when things do go our way. We take those lessons and we learn from them. And that way, as we go forward, we're a better version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How do you know when your kids have a next play attitude, Tony? How do you know when, think, when Marty, they got kind it? kind of like what you talked about earlier, where your point guard was right there helping her teammate after a tough fall. You know, hey, next play, we need these free throws. Make them count. You know, that's the way that you get your your revenge, if you will, if you get fouled hard like that, is you knock the free throws down. You know, and when your kids are saying it, and that's your culture, that that's when you know you have something. Um, you know, when it also has to, when, it, when it's usually the coach having to say it all the time, then maybe you don't have it at the level that you need it. But when your kids are the ones that are modeling it, that's when you know you got something special. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, uh, I put down the word echoing it. Um, you know, when your players are echoing, whatever the term may be, uh, you know, certain things in your in your vocabulary, how you rebound, how you do this, whatever. When, you, when your kids are echoing your message and using your vocabulary to describe various steps of the game, uh, it's... That's that's when you feel like you got things, and I and I hope for us, our, our kids continue. Uh, I, I I hope we continue to move in that direction. Our kids have bought in tremendously. I love what they've done. We've got a long, 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 long ways to go, but uh, it w- it was just such an encouraging thing to see those young ladies embrace such a next play mentality the other night. Um, and and you know, coaches just just keep preaching it keep preaching it and keep preaching it and keep preaching it that's the most important thing you can do and and if you're not don't you think tony if you're not preaching it they're not gonna do it yeah i I would agree the preaching it but also modeling it yes sorry you you want your words and your actions to be in lockstep with one another a pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach 
Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. Well, you know who is absolutely 1,000% in lockstep with one another, Mr. Viss? Obviously the band Europe. Of course it's Europe. They are prepared. They are ready to move on to the next play. And the next play is, of course, it's time for trivia. And Tony has spent hours, nay I say days, nay I say weeks, coming up with this trivia question. Or it might have been just about a half hour or so. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's probably closer to the latter. Um, <laughs> we had a big, big upset today in women's college basketball okay. as Gonzaga was able to knock off Stanford. Okay. Yep. It was in Gonzaga, which ran their home court win streak to how many in a row? You know, I Tony, I've I've got this just because I looked at ESPN.com right before we started when we were talking about cl- kind of cleaning up the twib to- uh, topics here. So, twenty four in a row. You lucky guy. Yeah, twenty four. Twenty four in a row. Yeah. Uh, so I saw that one. Twenty four was my high school number, Tony. By the way. That was how many points a game you averaged, wasn't it? Uh, that's how many points I averaged per season, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I did have I, – I had one game where I had 26 or 27 when I was on JV. Yeah, so I, I did I did have one out-of-body experience. Um, you know, um, every, every once in a while a blind squirrel will find a nut. So that did happen. It, it, it did happen. So, um, so yeah, but uh, – yeah, Gonzaga with the big win, and, you know, with that and with Tony's trivia question, that, of course, brings us to... How about that? It is our TWIB segment of the week, and, uh, uh, Tony, you want to start with women's basketball here, or where, where do you want to go? Yeah, let's start a little women's basketball. Um, you know, you take a look at things right now, uh, South Carolina and North Carolina was a great game the other night. I thought it was going to turn into a brawl. Looked like that was the way that it was headed. Um, but Don Staley has done a heck of a job with what they graduated uh, in number one team, uh, blowing people out and different things. And then the Pac-12 has looked really good. You know, obviously Stanford got upset today, but UCLA is ranked number two. Uh, obviously Colorado knocked off the defending national champions early in the year, so the yeah. Pac-12 looks really really strong uh so yeah you've got some good things and then you've got the women's game just continuing to grow in popularity uh you mentioned sudakis and sue bird earlier uh they were at the men's kansas versus yukon game and then yesterday we're just about 30 miles down the road from where i live uh at carver hawkeye watching caitlin clark and the hawkeyes take on bowling green yeah uh you know the the parody in the women's game uh is is really 
uh, encouraging to see. It's not just, okay, here comes UConn, here comes Tennessee, who's going to win? And and everything boils down to that. I Now, I, I, I think there's still some separation there, but uh, for various different reasons. Like, you know, for example, UConn uh, lost again. I think that's their third or fourth loss. Now, they're, they're dealing with some injuries and uh, stuff like that, and they always play a challenging schedule. Uh, so it's not like they're losing to the Legion of Dorks or anything like that. They lost to Texas. Um, you know, so... But but it's it's it, it brings a, a a better overall. I think it's better for the game, um, and and you see like you talked about Caitlin Clark, uh, Angel Reese, uh, 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 the Brink girl from uh, from Stanford, uh, all the way on down the line, and I, I just love the parity that we're we're seeing here. Multiple really good teams with multiple losses. Uh, you know, just just that type of stuff. I think I think it's just I think it's good for the game at this stage of the game. Um, where do you stand on that, Tony? Yeah, I mean, you could take a look at you know the the rankings. Uh, you know, Kansas State is six and one; they're fourteenth, and they beat Iowa, who's fourth. NC State wasn't ranked to begin the year; they're seven and zero. Oh. And they're rated as high as fifth in some of the polls. UConn, um, like you said, is struggling. They got knocked off by 10th ranked Texas, who's undefeated today. Um, You know, so it is, there's a lot of parity there. You know, if if you, if you gave me right now, you know, and say this was a year ago and said, Tony, you could either have South Carolina or the field. Last year, I would have taken South Carolina. Yeah. This year, I wouldn't hesitate, and I would take the field. I mean, mm-hmm. South Carolina may, may win it, but I would easily take the field on that bet. You know, and one of the exciting things that we didn't even touch on, really, was uh, Juju Watkins, who plays for USC. She had her fifth 30-point game, and she's a freshman. And they're 5-0. They're and oh. USC's 5-0 and oh and rated as high as 6. The Pac-12 is just going to be a meat grinder. Yeah, until it becomes part of the Big Ten. Yes, true. Then the <laughs> yeah. Big Ten's going to be a big. It's going to be even a bigger. You know, if you take a look at this here, I'm looking at the rankings right now, Tony. You got next year at this time. Uh, you keep track of the the teams here, or how many there are. UCLA, um, USC, Iowa. Uh, going down the line here, Ohio State, Indiana. Um, maybe not as many as I thought here. I You're guess there's five like, about five right there. Um, cause I, Stanford is not going to be in the big 10, correct? Correct. I think they went ACC. Yes. On the Pacific coast, they are in the Atlantic coast conference. So it makes, makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton of sense. Yes. Especially, you know, so, uh, you know, so yeah, I, I think it's really good for the women's game. Coaches, you know, just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs, but sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. You, you know what's probably not so good for the NBA game is when it looks like Ime Udoka and LeBron James are going to literally get into a fight on the sideline, Tony. Yeah. 
And the crazy thing, you know, is it, to me, and I could be wrong, it seemed like Ime started it. Yeah. Uh, he told LeBron basically to stop complaining. He used a little bit stronger word than that. LeBron told him not to use that word, and then he called LeBron that, and that's when the official teed both of them up, and it was Ime's second, so he was ejected. Um, but, yeah, just one of those things where, you know, you're, you're the one of the all-time greatest, if not the greatest player being talked to like that by a coach who I would think you would model better behavior than that. Now, does LeBron complain about calls? Yeah, he does, but so do 99% of the other players as well. And I will say this, I've seen LeBron and how he gets officiated. I think he has a pretty good leg to stand on as far as uh, some of the calls that he sometimes doesn't get. Yeah, and and you were referring to LeBron earlier about how how intelligent he is of a player and, and the way that he has really studied the game. And yeah, it, you know, there's, there's certain things that you just don't do. And one of them is talk to the other team's players in the middle of a game. And I, and I realize the NBA is, is a smaller fraternity. And, and if you're going to talk to maybe to uh, another, uh, a player from the other team, it's much, you know, uh, hey, boy, that was a crazy shot you hit there, or you know something like that. Or, or in our yep. situation, if you're playing against a kid that maybe you coach in AAU, and hey, how you doing, Billy, or whatever. You know, obviously, that's that's fine, but uh, you know, just that's that's uh, you know, I I really one of the things I truly truly believe in, Tony. Our greatest strengths are often our greatest weaknesses, and for Ime Adoka, his hard nosed kind of street fighter. Uh, mentality, uh, not backing down from anything really, um, is is his greatest strength. But also, uh, it, it seems to be a, a bit of a, a weakness for him as well, where uh, he he just maybe lets he, he just the decision making and and seeing the big picture of things. And again, I don't know Ime Adoka from from Adam. Obviously, never talked to the guy, but. Um, He's done a great job with the Rockets. Um, they're they're right at about five hundred right now, and and he's obviously talented as a coach. But I, I just don't think this is a good precedent to be setting, especially when your email coming off of getting let go in Boston under some circumstances that are not the most positive situation to be let go over as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just not a good look on his part, and you know I would think that. Again, you, you don't want to back down LeBron and, and, and seed anything, but at the same time, I don't think you want to antagonize him and, and do that either. It just It's not a good look, and like you said, you would think with what had happened previously in his own life, keep your nose clean for a while. Yeah, yeah. Be thankful that you got another job. You know, got another and, opportunity. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So, uh, Tony, how would you like to go on a 30-0 to zero run in a game and lose? That was crazy. I saw some highlights of that, um, you know, and, and they the, the Mavs just went off. Luca hit some shots, made some great passes to Derek Lively for some, you know, uh, highlight reel dunks and things like that. And then all of a sudden, Thunder get their legs back under them again, and uh, great finish. And the Thunder end up closing it out on the right side of the ledger as far as they're concerned. But I wonder how many times in, in basketball history a team has won on a thirty nothing run and lost. Well, I think I saw a stat somewhere. Um, it is the it is the biggest run since like 1997, since they kind of started keeping track of it in in some way, shape, or form. Um, it's the biggest run since then, uh, but it is 
also the only time that a team has gone on like a 20, 25 or 27 point run or more in a game and lost. It is literally the only time that it has ever happened in NBA history in the last, you know, however many years that it's been. So, um, Sorry, I'm adjusting the the heater here, the space heater out in the Appendant and Napkin Studios. So, uh, you know, so it, it's a crazy statistic. Uh, it's crazy to go on a 30-0 run. Uh, just the, the the law of averages. Even in your even in your high school situations, it's it's nearly impossible to score 30 points in a row and and not give up uh, a point. Uh, we had a deal last year. Uh, we were ahead of a team. I want to. I think we got up like twenty-five to nothing uh, to start out a game, something something like that, and that was that was pretty crazy as well. Just everything could not have gone more perfectly for us in that scenario. Um, so uh, for for it to happen at the NBA level, and then to have it have an, have it happen at the NBA level, and you still lose the game, just just defies. It, it's kind of like. Uh, it's kind of like the Iowa Hawkeyes being last in the country in offense and still winning ten games in football. I, I, I think yeah. that's. I think it's right there with that, don't you think, Tony? Yeah, and then the Warriors, you know, lost two games and within the last week where they've had mid twenty point leads, and so you know, I'm not sure how often that's happened to Steph Curry and Draymond and the boys, but yeah. Uh, they had another one where the, the Clippers came back and they, they were down 23 or something like that and came mm-hmm. back and got them. And they were up 24 earlier in, the, in a week and lost that one too. So Golden State letting a couple uh, for sure victories uh, slip out of their hands. If you are a Golden State Warrior fan, Tony, uh, should you be a little worried right now? Yeah, I really think you should be. Um, you know, I saw Bill Simmons put out a tweet that was talking about trading I want to say it was uh, Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga to the Raptors for Pascal Siakam. Mm -hmm. And I really think that would be a good move by Golden State. I'm not trying to be whatever. I just don't think Clay looks like he's the Clay Thompson of old. You know, Father Time is undefeated, um, and they need some help for Curry uh, offensively. And Wiggins is not the same as what he was. Um, And you're probably going to have to give up a young asset like Kaminga, who never became, I don't think, what they thought he was going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Him and Moses Moody both. Um, And I think that you take a look, and they've got a couple rookies there with Trace Jackson Davis. I cannot think of the guard's name that they got. Pazinski or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Both those guys look like they're going to be – you know, pieces off that bench. And so they could maybe take a look at getting rid of Kaminga, who has some trade value, no doubt about that, and might be able in Toronto to find, to find his potential. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. You know, both you and I, we, we thought this Pacific division when we did our previews a few weeks ago uh, was going to be a, a, a really good division. And, it, you know, it has turned out to be, uh, it has turned out to be like that, uh, but you know, Golden State is in last place in the Pacific right now. Uh, now they're only three games behind. You know that's how tough the division is. Uh, Sacramento is uh, eleven and seven, and they're nine and eleven. So it's not like they're uh, behind the Minnesota Timberwolves or something like that, who are fifteen and four uh, and kind of you know playing some really really good basketball right now. Uh, but it is still. Uh, it's worrisome at, at the quarter point of the season. Everybody's at about 20 games, and they are just 
scuttling and and losing games that they that they should win. And like we had talked about before, when you're banking wins, when you only have 82 opportunities to get wins, you got to bank them when you should get them. And, and they've you know against the Kings, against the uh, Clippers, those are games that they should win. Uh, that they that they had one. And and obviously, Steve Kerr's way smarter than you and I combined, Tony. He obviously knows that. Uh, but I, I would be a little worried if I was a Warriors fan as well. So. Um, you know, if they get those two wins, Marty, instead of nine eleven, they're eleven and nine, and Sacramento would be ten and eight. Yeah, and you know, and things. I know it doesn't sound a, a ton different, but that would just be a little bit better perspective. Yes, yes, and you know, let's say Sacramento makes that big comeback, but Golden State will still wins by one. Nobody remembers that comeback um, now, even. You know, but they remember that they now lost that game because, and they were up twenty four or twenty six, whatever the, the crazy was, uh, the crazy stat was. So, um, let's talk a little men's college basketball. Tony upsets, losses all over the place, kind of like the women's game, just uh, parity all. And I think it's going to be one of those crazy seasons where parity is is going to reign over a lot of things here. And we see Purdue lose the other night to Northwestern. Marquette lost to, I believe, Wisconsin today. Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, UConn goes into Kansas and loses. That's obviously an acceptable loss. Uh, Duke has lost three times. They've lost twice this week. Yeah, uh, Georgia Tech got them yesterday. Yeah, you know, Tennessee um, kind of got drubbed pretty hard by North Carolina. These are all top ten teams that we're talking about here, Tony. And Kentucky got beat by UNC Wilmington. Yes. After beating Miami by over 20. Yes. So... Uh, yeah, and like you know, we were down in Lincoln today, and we saw uh, Creighton really look like uh, a top a top ten team today, a top five team today. They looked really, really good today. So um, it's it's a it's a, it's a topsy turvy world uh, in the world of men's college basketball here, Tony. Yeah, like you know, we talked about this a little bit. I I wasn't as high on Kansas being this juggernaut and you know and, and they ended up getting knocked off there uh you know and it didn't really surprise me i just i had seen them play at illinois and uh-huh. again scrimmage at illinois different things that could go along with that but i just think you're gonna see half a dozen to ten teams be number one and it seems like when you become number one that's when the bullseye gets on your back and you get knocked off you know i watched the end of that uh, Purdue Northwestern game, and I give Matt Painter a ton of credit. You know they're down two. They run Brad Stevens's uh, winner play where they screen away, get the weak side seal, throw it up to Zach Eady. He scores it at the horn, and then in in overtime, Boo Booey takes even more over the game. Ended up with over thirty points. I think he had seven in overtime. Yeah, and uh, had like eight nine assists with no turnovers. Yeah, uh, Northwestern very. You know they're an experienced team. I believe they made the tournament last year, didn't they, Tony? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so they're they're to be reckoned with, and uh, yeah, it's it's just. I think it's just. I think you're right, Tony. I think it's just going to be one of those years where, um, you know the the COVID aspect of players coming back for a fourth and fifth year, and, and in some cases like a sixth year. Uh, it, it's going to change that perspective, and it's just going to make things much more competitive all the way across the board uh, for the next year or two uh, because there is a lot of teams. Uh, like you, you take a look at, at Creighton that I watched here today. 
Uh, Kalkbrenner is a senior. Shireman is a fifth-year senior. Trey Alexander is a junior. Um, you know, they got the, the transfer kid from Utah State, the Ashworth kid that can really, really shoot it. You know, these are players that, you know, there's there's quite a few players that are, are just around for another year that they normally would not be around for, which is just making it more and more competitive and harder and harder to win games. I think that's a big element of it, Tony. What do you think? Yeah, and, and you're going to see that COVID thing go away here fairly soon. But right now, it is definitely throwing a monkey wrench in there. And you know, a lot of times it had been, hey, we want these five stars. They might only be there for a year, but we want all these five-star young freshmen coming in. And then as you go forward, you run into where, uh, you know, you, you get the whole transfer thing and the name image likeness and uh, the COVID stuff. And now you want guys who have played three, four, five years. And the experience is what is the new thing in vogue. And, you know, with the NIL, it makes it like the Wild West where you see a number of guys moving teams consistently. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of moving around, Tony, I thought we'd wrap up with, with this. Um, Rick Pitino back at, at St. John's, there was a big article about his process of how he got, uh, hired at St. John's last spring, uh, was in basketball purgatory for years, literally years. Uh, and I know as a, as a younger coach, I really modeled a lot of my philosophy, uh, on, on Rick Pitino when, when I was forming my philosophy that's when he was at Kentucky um, and he had those great Kentucky teams and pressing and running and flying around and doing that type of stuff uh, shooting a lot of threes and uh, I, I know that's been a big part of, of mate that that what made me as a coach uh, and I, I think the first instructional video I ever saw was uh, Rick Patino and Billy Donovan uh, and Patino was talking about his run and jump press. Uh, who was uh, it? Was Billy Donovan? It was uh, oh, who was the guy Del that Ray was Del Ray Brooks? Del Ray Brooks. Yes, he was at Indiana and then he transferred to Providence. Um, and and so uh, I, you know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a, a great story altogether. Um, obviously, uh, their mistakes were made. I think Rick Patino's got some Urban Meyer in him in the sense of. Uh, he's, he's pushed the boundaries, a uh, little Jim Harbaugh pushing the boundaries of what he should and should not do. Obviously when he was a very young assistant coach, he got caught in some recruiting violations at Hawaii. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what he does back in New York city, uh, with St. John's back in the Northeast where he's originally from and, and just what he can do with a, a program that really hasn't been prominent nationally since you and I were kids when, when Chris Mullen and, and Walter Berry and Luke Karnaseka's sweaters and all that other stuff in the glory days of the Big East, they, they were one of the kings, and, and they just haven't really been able to reachieve those those heights that they once did. Yeah, and I think that was a part of when they were looking to make the hire, they wanted somebody to restore St. John's to its former glory. And, you know, Rick is from New York, um, and so it just it seems like it's a natural fit. But like you said, when you hire Rick Pitino, you have him bring the baggage and stuff with him. And he has been known as one who has walked up to the line and has stepped past it a few different times and has gotten slapped on the wrist for it. Uh, but like you mentioned, he was off in basketball purgatory, went to Greece uh, at Iona, did a great job at Iona. Um, but he is one of the best basketball coaches to ever do it. But there is a lot of baggage that does come with him. Yeah, um, I, I think he's. I think it's a. I think it's a good fit 
for uh, him. I think it's a good fit for uh, the school. Uh, I hope I hope it goes well. I hope it I hope it goes really well for for him and and the program. Uh, I think they come to Omaha to play Creighton on January thirteenth. I, I think I I think I'm going to go buy tickets and go down and watch the game and uh, you know just to see just to see him in action, just to watch his team in action and and you're always trying to learn. And like I said, he was extremely influential on my coaching philosophy as a very young coach. Um, going all the way back to, shoot, 1987 when he took that Providence team to the Final Four. You know, so, um, you know, let's, let's see what happens here, buddy. So, um, great episode, Tony. Anything uh, that you want to add on next play mentality? You know, it is something that's super important. And I would just kind of like what you said, you know, as coaches, it's something that you have to continue to help your kids with that positive self-talk. And, and, you know, at times I I kick myself because, you know, as a coach, I've got to do a better job of modeling it and and with my players and encouraging them, you know, good play, bad play, whatever, move on to the next play. Yeah. I I really have thought about that uh, in the last uh, 24 hours or so. I, I think they're, I think I'm doing a pretty decent job with the next play mentality, but you know sometimes I have to remember with my team, um, we're 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 not we we are just really young. We're a really really young team, as you well know, Tony, and and you know I I know that we we've, we've got a chance to do some good things, uh, but they're 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 so young, and they're gonna make mistakes, and we're not going to. Uh, we are far from being fully formed. And, and so I've got to have that attitude of teach, teach, teach. They're going to make mistakes. Move on to the next play. Uh, as long as the effort is there, continue to teach that. And, and then I have to, dem- like you talked about, uh, I have to demonstrate it. I have to model it, uh, working on it. And, um, you know, slowly but surely, hopefully we'll get there, buddy. You know, hopefully we'll get there. So um, great episode, Tony. Uh, looking forward to talking to you next week, seeing how the Cougars, who do the Cougars have this week? How, how many games? We just we get Jeff on Thursday. Okay. So Cedar Rapids Jefferson City Rivals should be should be a fun game, good atmosphere to play in. Awesome, awesome. We have one on Thursday as well. So uh, shoot me a text after you get done. Let me know how you do, and I'll do the same. All right, buddy. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, episode number sixty-seven. Next play mentality. A lot of good uh, points shared here tonight. Uh, I hope you folks have enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, we're we're a few days behind because these Sunday nights at around eight o'clock work well for us. So uh, we've probably missed some things that you're going to see happen in the world of basketball over the next few days. But uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this. Hope it helps you out. Uh, obviously, you know how to get a hold of me or Tony. Uh, if you have any questions about anything, just let us know. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.